You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of The Process. Hey guys, how you doing? Another week of The Process. The process is always greater than the product. Hey, 10-year linebacker Sean Barber here with you, man. It's a blessing. It's an honor. I got a mountain of a man uh, co-hosting with me today, man. Timmy Grunhart, uh, pride of Notre Dame. Um, man, he's a Viking, but only in high school. And then uh, a chief, right? Part of the Chiefs Ring of Honor, Hall of Honor. Man, it's a, it's a, it's a, man, it's a blessing to have him on the show. Before we get into it, I know everybody's excited to hear the who, the what, the where. But we got to thank our title sponsor, man. Our title sponsor of the show is the McGinnis Group. Um, yes, I've been working for the McGinnis Group for over three years now. And um, we specialize in employee benefits, health insurance, and uh, for all kind of companies. Uh, retirement financial services, life insurance, and also long-term care. We would love the opportunity to have a chance to review your current policies and learn more about your game plan for the game plan of life. To... As a member of the McGinnis Group, you're part of our family, but you're also part of our team. T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves more. And with that, let's get to the process. Again, man, this is my buddy, my friend, uh, former uh, president of the Kansas City Chiefs Ambassadors. Uh, he was actually, I was the vice president while he was the president, so he was a mentor of mine. Tim Grunhardt, a Ring of Honor. Man, let's, let's get started with it. Who is Tim Grunhardt? Well, hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is great. Uh, I, I'm just so excited to be here with you today. And, and I was wondering, I was just like, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, superhero. Okay, well, Spider-Man. Then I didn't realize the Richmond Spiders. Universe That's Richmond what Spiders. it's all about. Always. You've always been a spider. I got tattoos with Richmond. I got gold <laughs> chains with Richmond. I used to have some gold teeth with spider written on it. No gold teeth. I'm just joking about that, but... Now I have a lot of a uh, lot of love for University of Richmond, East Coast guy, born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, uh, University of Richmond product. So, who is Tim Grunhardt? Uh, Tim Grunhardt grew up on the South Side of Chicago. His father was a policeman. His mother was a nurse. Uh, I, uh, I was uh, recruited and went to University of Notre Dame and played yes. football there. And in 1988, won the national championship with Lou Holtz. I was a part of Lou Holtz's first recruiting class uh, at Notre Dame. I was one of the last guys offered at Notre Dame because um, I was too small. Jerry Faust didn't like uh, any offense lineman under six foot four, and I am certainly under six foot four. <laughs> so uh, Lou Holtz offered me a scholarship to Minnesota, and it kind of carried it over, and uh, the rest is history. Drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1990. Uh, by the way, I met my beautiful wife Sarah our freshman year in college. We dated all the way through college. Uh, so we dated for seven years before we got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody out there, a lesson. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a long time. I can, but, I can tell you before he goes any further, he he outkicked his coverage by 200 yards. That's right. Anybody who's listen, I, I have lie. a beautiful wife. We're about to celebrate 20 years of marriage. Nicole, lover, um, but everybody who sees a barber, you outkicked your coverage. Absolutely. Timmy outkicked his by three football fields. Well, uh, keeping with the spider theme, I, I put her in my web and I didn't. Ah, her. nice. Uh, so uh, yes, we uh, we got married uh, uh, after my third year in the NFL uh, in 1992. Uh, we have four beautiful children, CJ, Colin, uh, Cassie, and uh, Kaylee. Uh, Colin and Kaylee are twins. Uh, three of them went to Notre Dame, one went to uh, St. Louis University. 
so they're all doing great. They all are out uh, on their own. Uh, my daughter Kaylee just got married a couple weeks ago in Congrats. Cincinnati. So uh, the who is, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm a Kansas Cityan. Uh, I uh, love the game of football. I use football as a vehicle mm-hmm. for me to have uh, success in life, to see a lot of great things. And uh, now I'm a football coach. Uh, so, you know, I had an opportunity to do some, uh, you know, the color commentating, uh, whether it was on Saturdays and I don't know about Sundays, but maybe. Uh, but I decided to go another direction. I wanted to pass it on and give kids an opportunity to use football as a vehicle to go to college mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to uh, um, uh, use this great game uh, to maybe go make a living out of it. More importantly, that get a great education. A lot of people can't afford uh, uh, to go to college, and if you can use football to to help supplement that, whether it's five thousand or full scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, there's a way to supplement it. And there's a football program out there for everybody. Yes, it is. And uh, so you don't have to be a Power Five guy. Uh, you know, you can be Division Three, you know, NAIA, it doesn't matter. As long as you're out there playing and enjoying the game and the camaraderie and the, and the love of teammates is what it's all about. Man, we're going to circle back to that um, about what it takes to be a, a a teammate and also a player under Tim Grunhardt in, a, in the next segment. But uh, we always start with the who. You you said the what. What are you doing now? Mm-hmm. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm like, uh, I, I do uh, the uh, uh, Twitter stuff. I'm at okay. Day 61 uh, I do that. Uh, I also have a website, uh, uh, timgrunhart.com, uh, 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 where I have my book and some other stuff. I wrote a book uh, with David Smell, uh, a uh, book about the, the Chiefs of the 90s, uh, kind of the, the process of what we tried to do, not only on the field but off the field, to uh, uh, to kind of bring the Kansas City Chiefs to the forefront and build the foundation for where we're at right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, when you came in in the 2000s, you guys carried that on. And now these guys are on that foundation holding Lombardi trophies. And at, we, we can have a little bit of pride and a little bit of, uh, of, um, of happiness knowing that we uh, were there and built this, this program to where it's at now. And, and uh, we could take credit in that. Man, it's kind of cool. Me and you, we share a lot of things in common. Obviously, our love for our wives and our kids, um, the understanding and the passion we have to create a legacy beyond just our own life uh, that can live beyond our life. We're both very uh, open and honest about our, our faith and uh, Lord. Um, you have wrote, written a book. Now, I got I have a book. I just haven't wrote it yet. It's just in my mind. I got I got about 58 chapters <laughs> of my life that each and every year I write another chapter, another chapter, another chapter of things I've done right, wrong, things I would do different, things I would never expect anybody in a thousand years to even try to do. Uh, but almost as a GPS uh, to someone after me, one of my kids to kind of go through these chapters and realize, listen, dad isn't perfect. And he still was able to be very successful um, in the NFL and with business and with being a family man and being a father and a friend and all these different areas of his life. And what is what is the, 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 the one component that he really communication? He was he was really good at communicating his thoughts, his feelings. He was very, um, very authentic with his, his love for Christ. But he was also very honest with his kids and people around him about him not being perfect. Right. And, and, the, and the way that the Lord can use you, even when you're broken. Um, it's, it's, I have so many members of friends and family in my life who people would, would throw them away because they're, they're not doing things perfectly. They, you know, uh, recovering from drugs or former um, adulterers or, you know, uh, you know, divorcees. Those are some of my closest friends because I understand that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm one bad day, one bad month, one bad season of life from being that exact person. 
Um, and so I never hold those things, no judgment against those individuals. I just continue to pour into them, wish them the best. Um, you got to gotta kind of use history sometimes to decide, like, you know, <laughs> when in that to go with certain people. But overall, man, just no judgment and just expecting and, and having a, um, man, just a, uh, that olive branch, always reaching out that hands, that friendship, one that fellowship. Um, and we've, but we've tried to build that with our ambassador group here in our community. So uh, one of the last things me and you have in common actually is we're represented by the same marketing agency, um, Gold Grift. Gold Grift is the agency here in Kansas City. It's, uh, it was founded and developed and run by Miss Amanda Carlo. So shout out to uh, Gold Griff, a, a number of clients, George Brett, Dana Hughes, myself, you, uh, Winchester, um, even some some current coaches, right? The, the, she's doing something with a certain uh, uh, Taylor Swift. Person. Oh, yeah. That, everybody's excited about T. Swift. <laughs> uh, how did T. Swift get on the, uh, on, on the team? And we didn't even find out about it, but um, I know she was uh, probably a monument when you uh, writing the book and everything. So. Uh, man, just, no just an amazing, amazing um, person and amazing opportunity for us to find different ways to serve the community. Yeah, well, see, I always say the football is a microcosm of life. And, uh, you know, so getting back to kind of the football theme, after a loss, you look at yourself in the mirror and the coaches will evaluate. And I always say, listen, criticize the performance, not the performer. And uh, one of the things that was is important for this team and, and for us in life is, so listen, you're going to make mistakes, but you'll learn from them. A lot of times you can grow. From mistakes, so uh, you know, uh, you go watch the film, and you know, after a win, everybody feels pretty comfortable with themselves and thinks they got it all figured out. But after a loss, and you look back and you say, "Hey, listen, you know, maybe I've been, you know, having some shortcuts in this area." I loved what Justin Watson said uh, after the game. I don't know if you heard it. He said, uh, "You know, um, some of the mistakes that we're making on Wednesday and Thursday in practice are some of the mistakes that we see on the field on Sunday, and they're being corrected." on Wednesday and Thursday, but they're not being implemented on Sundays. And I think that's the way it is with life. Uh, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to have uh, disagreements. Uh, you're going to do things you're not proud of. But if you can look back and you can evaluate yourself and try to be better and say, listen, I'm, I don't want to make that mistake again. Uh, you know, I, I want to be better than that. Listen, you're never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But if you could try to be better in, in little increments and little steps, uh, whether it's in life or during the football season, and you got things going the way they, they should be going. I think the Kansas City Chiefs will. Uh, listen, this is an outlier. This was an ugly game the Kansas City Chiefs had against the Denver Broncos, and we could talk about all the logistics of that. But the reality is this team will get better if, if they'll be open-minded enough to accept the mistakes they made and try to correct those mistakes and not think that they're bigger than uh, the issues or they're not thinking they're bigger or they're, they're too good to be corrected. And that's the way in life, you know, every once in a while you get knocked down. Yeah. And I, when you get knocked down and you're looking up and you're thinking, <laughs> you know what, maybe I ought to listen. <laughs> and uh, let's hope that they do that too. And and that's what happened to me in my life. I mean, be real honest with you, I've had ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not proud of a lot of things I did. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I learned from my mistakes and I'm a happier and more healthier person than I've ever been now because of some of the things that I've learned from and grown from. Mm, love that, man. So we're going to take a quick break, and we get back to you. We're going to learn more from the author of A View from a Center, Tim Grunhart, and we're going to talk about more about what he just said about you blame the performance and not the performer. Again, this is the process where the process is always greater than the product. We'll be right back at you. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. 
Just search KC Sports Network. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble. Manscaped is all new. Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back. So you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I personally have been talking to somebody for a few years now, and it's amazing how much better you'll feel by learning more about yourself through it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, man. Welcome back to The Process. The Process is always greater than what it produces. Um, I'm here with my, my man, friend, a mentor of mine, Tim Grunhart, uh, www.grunhart.com. That's where you can find out all his information. And at... Uh, Grunny61. At, at Grunny61. It's not his Twitter account. It's his X account. All right? Yeah, so, that's right. Right? Twitter was a year ago. That was still 2022. That's shows. I am so social media illiterate. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so now it's uh, the X. That's the X. The so, X marks the spot. All right, we, we talked about you authoring a book called A View from a Center. So we're going to get his viewpoint, not from being a center, but his viewpoint about the Chiefs. Let's go into the last game versus the Denver Broncos. Obviously, we were riding a 16-game win streak going up to Denver, mile high. The air is thin. It was snowing. Patrick was going, you know, dealing with the end of a little bit of the flu. 
still with all those things said, we still had a defense that was riding a, a series of games where we hadn't given up thir- 21 points all season long. We were in the top five in a bunch of categories on defense. The defense was being very, very stingy. And the Broncos were still looking to, I think, uh, mend some, some, some old wounds after giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. Uh, they had found a way to win a game here recently, but um, the, the, the Denver Broncos still, I think, went into that game knowing they were wounded. And the Chiefs, if we got on them early and took advantage of some opportunities, we could have really uh, shifted the tide and took control of that game. It didn't go that way. We lose 24 to 9. Yeah, you know, and if you look at that game and you just look at the very first series on really both sides of the ball, it was kind of a, I hate to use this word again, but microcosm of the whole game. Uh, the Denver Broncos, they wanted to make Patrick Mahomes a Gatorade player, and which means that they wanted him on the sideline. They did not want Patrick Mahomes to beat him. And I think that in the third quarter, they didn't get the ball until like six minutes left in the third quarter. It was unbelievable the way that the Denver Broncos kind of took the offense away both uh, with their scheme and with their offense of yes. running the ball. So we'll start with that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, like you said, um, you know, he statistically – and it was, I forget what analytical breakdown it was, but it was the worst football game by a quarterback this year mm-hmm. uh, against a certain opponent. Yep. And QBR, the uh, yardage, the yeah, turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But guess what? So he has the worst, but he also has the best against the Chargers. I think it was last week. So it's an outlier, right? This game was an outlier. They turned the ball over. They had timely penalties on the defensive side. Uh, you know, if you say anything negative about the defense, it would be, you know, it's a penalties. It's a penalties. And there were some times when they weren't in the exact right gap. You know, it's your stuff that we see. But the reality is the defense played really well overall. The offense, you can't turn the ball over five times and win a football game. You just can't do it. Against anyone. Now, it, we, they could have played against Miege. Yeah. And Miege would have made it a tight game if we turned the ball <laughs> over five times. Yeah, right? absolutely. Turnovers are a killer. Uh, so the turnovers were... Um, a big problem. You know, penalties were a big problem. Drops were a big problem. Offensive line communication. Uh, the tackles looked like they were, they, they had some struggles with mm. with the Denver Broncos defensive ends. And inside, usually those guys are pretty solid. They are. And, and we always talk about the offensive line. Well, I don't care what level it is, whether you're playing Pop Warner, high school, college, or pro. The pocket for a quarterback has to be deep and wide. Deep and wide. Well, the, the pocket certainly wasn't wide because the tackles were getting beat. And even the middle of the pocket, guys were kind of getting pushed back and there were some gains and stuff that they didn't pass off and the communication wasn't good. It just wasn't good. It's like Patrick Mahomes brought – so he had the flu. Yes. And, and, and the, the side effects of the symptoms were poor offensive line play, dropped offensive uh, uh, plays by the wide receivers, and you know Patrick Mahomes just not having a good football game. But usually – uh, uh, Barbara, you know as well as I do that if Patrick Mahomes is healthy and is rolling, you can get away with that yes. stuff. Yep. You couldn't get away with it when he wasn't playing well and not not feeling well. And uh, and you know, listen, those streaks all come to an end. You know, sixteen in a row is a lot in the NFL. I think it's the third most in a row against opponent uh, in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, that doesn't happen a lot. So there was this was bound to happen. Unfortunately, it happened to the Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. And unfortunately, 
they play the Taylor Swift song at the end. <laughs> Shake it off. I see that. Shake it off. You, see, you know what? You got to be careful. Don't wake a sleeping dog. You know what? Or a sleeping bear. I kind of liked it. I, 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 you I, know, I, yeah. Because I'm not on the team, the fact that after so many losses, you actually prepared some type of uh, a retro, some, some, something to do if we, just in case the chance we do win, we, we got to think of something creative to say. Or And so the <laughs> fact that the Broncos, after 16 losses, actually spent a few minutes thinking of, hey, if we do win this game, can we actually play a Taylor Swift song? <laughs> can we make fun in a kind of backhanded compliment how we, you know, after 16 attempts, this was the one. This is this is the time we actually got it done. Um, every streak starts with one game. You know, like so many different uh, social media posts was, was made by the Denver Broncos um, kind of christening this. Hey, this is the moment. This, this is where this we start. This is our turning point. Sean Payton, welcome to Denver. This is the moment that it all gets turned around, right? This is the moment that it all pays off. Slapped down by whoever they're playing next week. They they got a bye week this week. Yeah, yeah. So and we can talk, you know, all the energy, all the preparation Denver Broncos have for us to come to town, Pat being a little sick. uh, I mean, they they were able to give so much effort because they was going into a bye week afterwards. So and you know, like I know, if I'm a kid coach, the amount of carrots I can put on that stick. I can give you from the game time off until the following week. I can give y'all seven. If we win this game, you're not coming back into this building for like seven days. I can do so many things to reward great energy, effort, and and, and success from a team that's facing a bye week. Whereas our team, this is just another game. One, you know, hey, we beat them 16 times. We'll find a way. Let's get on the plane. Pat's not feeling good. After every turnover, hey, just just keep playing defensively. Six sacks. Yeah. How many times do you have six sacks and a blocked field goal and still have a chance to go win a game when the I think the score was a nine to fourteen, still yeah. down by one sure, score. Sure. And then special teams. Yeah. Cole Hardman, you're offensive lineman, I'm a linebacker, but we know that you put your heels on what yard line. And you never back up. Never back. Ten yard line. Every every yeah. team I've ever been on, I've heard the special teams tell the returners, put your heels. I don't know why these guys are catching the ball now inside the ten yard line all the time, very consistently. Like maybe that's something new they're teaching. It but can't be. I don't we, get we, it. we 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 it's too much it. football experience between us get that. to to know that it's it's nothing good comes from attempting to catch it that deep. Right. Because the the the, the best case scenario is that it takes a bad bounce, it goes in the end zone, then you get the ball out on 2025, wherever sure. it is. Yeah. The worst case scenario is don't catch it cleanly, and then you turn the ball over and give them the ball, yeah. you know, based on your scoring position. So I don't know, man. It, it's I had a lot of I have a lot of grace and mercy uh, understanding about when Scott Moore was returning punts last year because that was his first time. He never did it before in his career, and so the the head coach and the special teams coach take a lot of hey, that's on us because we're making this kid do something he's never done before because we know he has the ability to do it. And we stuck with him the whole season, and he makes a big, big return in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. After sticking with him and replacing him and bringing him back through injury, he still ma- – Mikola has been a part of this system. He's returned punts in high school and college at Georgia mm-hmm. when he first got here. Now he returns here. And, it, uh, you know, he made a big play last week, but his big play he made against the Chargers, um, I mean, he took accountability for it. He said, hey, this this, this ability, the ability, the opportunity for us to come back and try to steal this victory, I selfishly took it away from our team by trying to field that punt. You know what? It takes uh, three data boys for one old crap. So, you know, when you when you make a mistake like that, it, it, it takes about four or five big plays to kind of make up for it. So, 
Uh, yeah, you know what, to your point, uh, too many guys nowadays are, um, I don't know, just a, just a different little fundamentals of the game yes. that you have to listen to. You know, there, there's a reason why you put your feet at the 10 yard line and, you know, and I know I get it. These punters nowadays, they have spin and they do all kinds of different things to get the ball to die. But the reality of the situation is you go with the old steady rule of don't back up don't back and up. catch the ball inside the five yard line. I mean, you see that all the time now so that that's and that's a negative and listen you got to win at least two or three phases especially on the road whether it's offense and special teams or defensive special teams the chiefs i would say won the defensive side but they lost the offensive special teams and you can't do that if you're going to lose in two or three phases you're going to turn the ball over you're going to have timely penalties uh and uh you're going to give up uh you're going to give up big plays um you know you you just you just can't win a football game like that Everybody's everybody's talented in the NFL. Yes. Every week, somebody can pop up. I don't care who they are, can pop up because there's a lot of good football players on those teams for one reason or another, not winning. Uh, so you got to play a perfect game every Sunday. That's why there's only one a week. <laughs> it's not like baseball, right? <laughs> I know your son's playing baseball. You know, you, you go all for four. You got tomorrow. You got tomorrow, but yeah, I mean, you know, you get a couple hits and you're feeling good about yourself. You don't have a. You, you got to wait seven days most of the time mm-hmm. to go play another football game. And, you know, the, all we do in football, the hardest thing about football is all you do is practice. Uh, it's practice, practice, practice. Over and over and, and over. That game. And, and they're so important. And there's not many of them. Think about it. There's only 17 of them in the NFL. And in high school, there's only, what, uh, eight or nine of them. Then you have the playoffs. Um, yeah, there's just so much emphasis put on the importance of a football game. All the little things right. Um, alignment assignment. The two things we ask for players to give, I don't care what, we talk about high school a lot, we talk about college, we talk about the pros, effort and attitude. You got to give an extreme amount of effort and you have to have the right attitude coming in. And that is some of the things that was shocking to me sometimes. We talk about the the offensive line. There were some opportunities to get on loose balls, to get gritty, to get grimy, to uh, inflict your willpower on this team that's trying to punch us in the mouth. Mm-hmm. We, we we saw that Denver came in with the, with the mindset of, we're going to hand the ball over to uh, Javante Williams and just run it down your throat. Even even if he's only getting three yards to carry, 3.9 the yards mindset carry. is we're going to bloody this game up. We're going to make it a, a street fight. And if you ain't ready to get in this alleyway with us, offensive line or defensive line, it's going to be a really long game. And I think that the one play that just keeps rolling over in my mind was the, the sack against Pat Mahomes when he fumbled the ball. Number zero made him uh, fumble. Mm. And number zero, like from 10 feet away, jumps on the ball. And some of our linemen was like standing up, fixing their uniform, and something about me it made my skin crawl a little bit. Like I just that 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 lack of understanding of how critical it is to not show that on film, yeah. Not to let any other opponent see that we're not willing to get down and dirty with right. you and fight for every possession. And, you know, I, I know we don't want the quarterback jumping in there because you don't want him to get hurt, but every other the other ten guys on the field, like. Oh, like that, that, that to me was just so at the moment of that game. That's when I thought we lost it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, it just looked like, um, I hate to say it, but there was this little apathetic, um, on especially on the offensive side. Uh, those are things that need to be corrected. Uh, you know, when uh, uh was the name, uh, Smith, uh, the offensive tackle, he had a nice sack in one of the plays. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, uh, out, turned around and ran into him and he knocked him down. And he did, I don't even think he helped him up. I was like, what is going on here? 
So uh, little things like that, you know. Hey, um, those games happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, you got to learn from them, like we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, the offensive line uh, has played pretty well this year. Uh, that was not a good uh, game for them. Uh, but they're going to have to play well this week because the uh, the Dolphins, they're, they're, they're going to put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. They're going to try and get him off his spot and uh, get him moving around in the pocket and, uh, and try to knock him down a little bit. I think that right now uh, people are saying, hey, listen, we're not going to let any of your guys get deep. We're not going to let you take the top off. And we're going to make you throw the ball underneath and we're going to come up and tackle you. And uh, I think the Chiefs have got to find a way for Patrick Mahomes to trust his receivers yes. and the receivers to trust Patrick Mahomes. And uh, they've got to start making some plays down the field or else, you know, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe for this offense. Yeah, we have about 40 years of marriage between the two of us with our uh, beautiful wives. And the thing you mentioned was trust and communication. You have to communicate and be on the same page as a wide receiver and quarterback Patrick has to be able to believe that he can throw the ball before you break. In your route, when you release, he has to know that you know what you're doing, you're reading the coverage the same way, and that you're going to break at the proper depth with the intention of receiving the ball for him to put it in the right place. Yeah, I mean, right now, and if you look at a couple of years ago, Tyreek Hill, he would just throw the ball up. He knew Tyreek was going to battle for that football. He knew Tyreek was going to get to the football and find a way to do it. We see it with the Dolphins. We'll see it this week. Yep. I mean, he does the same thing now. And then even last year with uh, Smith-Schuster, uh, the, you know, there were times when he knew, hey, listen, I'm going to throw this ball before he gets out of his break because I know he's going to be exactly where he needs to be. Uh, I'm not sure if it's because they're younger receivers. I'm not sure if because the older guys just don't understand the offenses as well as maybe they should. And listen, that's that's not putting these guys mm-hmm. down. Andy Reid's offense is very, very uh, uh, complicated. complicated. So, um, you know, uh, this team is, um, you know, it's a work in progress. I still think that if you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and you have this defense, uh, then you're going to have great opportunities to win football games. But, you you know, once again, how do you take the pressure off Patrick Mahomes' wide receiver? You run the ball. Yeah. And uh, Pacheco had nine carries. I mean, that's just not enough. So um, it just, you know, in the fourth down situations where we're trying to, you know, window dress and get fancy instead of just, you know, you got three guys in the middle that are supposedly are the best three in the NFL, yeah. we can't run the ball for a yard or two yeah. up the middle. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that this team has got to get straightened out. They got to get straightened out quick. And people, somebody asked me today, they said, "Well, uh, is it better that the Chiefs are going to Germany now or worse?" And I, I, I just don't think it's the best thing because there's some things that that they need to get done. Now, I do like what Andy is going to do, and he, and I'm not sure what their practice schedule is this mm-hmm. week, but really, they should be in there Tuesday and Wednesday this week and uh, practice it and make those their work days and get some of these things straightened out. Yes. Thursday, do a little walkthrough, get on a plane. Friday, get out there and have, you know, a, uh, a shorter practice. And then Saturday, another walkthrough, and then Sunday, go play the football game. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they need a couple of work days going into this week to get some of those things settled. Yeah, we, 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 we talk about how the mindset is so important, the mentality, the correcting the mistakes while they're still fresh in your mind. So you don't you, – most athletes have a – default we'll make an excuse well there's a reason i deal with it. I, I was supposed to release inside well he was inside leverage so i released outside without understanding the why and understanding well when you release outside and the quarterback assumes you're gonna release inside he has to kind of think that you're running in the wrong right like you, you you started off the route the wrong way so there's like to me you're out the you're out my read now yeah this and so when i'm when you're out my read his fail safe, his security blanket, his 
compadre numero uno is 87. So he starts to read with 87. Then he goes to one of these wide receivers who's released the wrong way or is, isn't going vertical hard enough or is, is, is not stemming the way he's supposed to stem a certain route. Well, then it forces him to go back to 87. Like, I'm just going to wait for 87 to get back open. And yeah. for him to only have, well, I think, six six receptions at the Denver game. Um, again, at this point of the, with the way the offense is, if we want to just win ball games, we should tell Patrick, hey, throw it to Kelsey 15 times. Find 15 targets for Kelsey every game. That'll give us a better chance to win. But what that does is that will kind of slow down the growth of the young receivers. So we want young receivers to grow, get opportunities, at the risk of maybe sometimes they fail and we got to pick them up, dust them off, put them back on the horse and let, keep on going. We have to believe that some of these wide receivers, Rashi Rice, um, uh, Tony, uh, Scott Moore, NBA, like some of these receivers, by the time we get to game 17, have to arrive for this team to be viable in the playoffs. There's no way I believe that we can go win playoff games if – Every route starts with 87 and ends with 87. Yeah, I mean, uh, somebody in that room has to stand, stand up and be the number one receiver. Uh, they haven't done that yet. Nobody's really taken that role. And that's really important for uh, for this team. It's for Patrick Mahomes also to know that, hey, listen, this guy's going to be the dog. He's going to be the guy that we're going to try and get the football to. Uh, but nobody's done that yet uh, for one reason or another. So that is something that Andy Reid and, and, uh, and the rest of that offensive staff has got to get it figured out. They've got to get figured out pretty quick here because – the, the NFL is a hard thing. There's a bunch of smart people on the other side trying to beat you. And defensive coordinators are figuring out, hey, listen, if we can just take Travis out, and he's going to get his. Yes. A little Michael Jordan-esque type of deal. <laughs> He'll get his points. But to limit everybody else, and you can win You can win football games. So the Chiefs have got to find another option. Well, we, we know they have the options. Obviously, Matt Nagy, obviously uh, a bright offensive mind. He has head coaching experience has come back to be an outstanding OC for this team. Coach Spags is going to keep doing what he does with the defense, keep the defense growing, um, and, and just keep evolving. Um, the, the offense has to find ways, like you said, to ground, pound, run the ball, especially in short yardage. Uh, and then we have to be – we haven't talked about it, but we have to be better in the red zone. We have to – you cannot have field goals over and over and over again in the NFL and expect to win ball games long term. This is a high-scoring team. It has the potential to be – uh, a 40, uh, 35, 40 uh, a game uh, type offense. We have to um, eventually at some point in the season be who we are capable of being, and that's who the Chiefs are capable of being. So we're going to take a quick break uh, and get back to the third segment, the final segment. We're going to peel back the skin and, and find out uh, what, what makes his heart beat, what, what, what really is the passions behind Tim Grunhardt and what has him um, returning to Bishop Mies as a coach, has that offensive line going, um, and then talk about maybe, maybe some of his uh, coaching experiences over at KU with the Jayhawks. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe some of the experiences he's had with some of these former offensive line. We'll figure out which, which offensive line with the Chiefs were the best between 1995 and maybe 2003 when I was here. We'll do all that and more when we come back to the process. The process is greater than the product. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Welcome back to The Process. The process is greater than the product. I mean, we got breaking news. We always got breaking news. Obviously, we record this. Uh, you can tell by the outfit, it's Halloween, so I'm not showing when you are listening or watching this, but um, only a few minutes ago, the San Francisco 49ers actually traded for Chase Young. Yeah. A phenomenal uh, defensive end that came from uh, Ohio State. 
Uh, I mean, he's a man child off the edge. Hasn't really panned out with the Washington Commanders. Um, I thought that they was in a position where they weren't going to, you know, pick up any option for him or anything. So they end up getting a third round pick for him. Uh, man, like like when we talk about making adjustments, it's, it's, it's the trade deadline right at it. Uh, I mean, we, we, we talked about some offensive line needs. We talked about some receiver needs for the Chiefs. Um, it's just so curious to me how, you know, teams are already some of the best teams in the league. If I'm the commander, why am I trying to help the 49ers <laughs> be better? I, I'm in the NFC also. Like, like for me to be an NFC champion, I can't be giving my best or some of my best assets to a team that's in the NFC. I would have just like loved to see a team like that pick up the phone and call the Chiefs and say, hey, he's about to go for a third-round pick. If you, you know, if y'all kind of want him, that's what we're trying to get from him. You know, the crazy thing in the NFL, it used to be trade deadline would come and go, nobody do anything. And then you look at baseball, I mean, and, and all the movement in the yes. NBA, all the movement. Now the NFL is starting to pick up a little bit with the trade stuff. It will be interesting to see. And by the time we tape this, so it could happen here in the next hour or two that the Chiefs go find a wide receiver. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs wouldn't find a wide receiver, but I wouldn't look for any big, you know, so uh, Devontae Adams is not coming to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, I don't think that Hopkins is coming to Kansas City. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, you got you to gotta weigh the pros and the cons for these things. But I do think the Chiefs would help if they went and found a guy that would could come into that room and challenge some of these guys and get them uncomfortable a little bit than wide receiver. Yes, not, 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 not to change the overall – trajectory of the wide receiver but just bringing in how a veteran goes about his business right. how he might um practice the day after a loss how does he practice after or his attitude after a drop well if you look at just what we saw with justin watson talking about hey listen some of the mistakes that are happening during the week we see it during the game uh that's maybe some of these guys need to be woke up a little bit mm-hmm. and realize that hey you know it's really hard to win an nfl football game and you got to do all the little things right, and maybe some of the little things uh, that they're not doing. Right. They're still listening to some younger guys. I don't know that room. I really don't know those guys. You probably know those guys a lot better than I do. Uh, but is there a guy that's going to be the leader and it's going to stand up in that room and say, hey, listen, you know what? We're not doing things correctly. Uh, it had the weight that the guys are going to listen. I don't know if they have that right now. Yeah. Run the right routes. Be very disciplined in the routes. Secure the ball. No balls getting punched out after we secure catches. Those are the kind of things that you got to realize that every team sees on film and it's going to become uh, more likely they're going to try to strip the ball, punch the ball. We talked about the pe- peanut Tillman punch. That was the, the entire uh, New England defense did that for a whole season to lead the league in turnovers because they just kept punching at the ball and that became a calling card. If you're not securing the ball on film, it invites more DBs to, Okay, catch the ball. I'm almost let you catch it and then punch it out because we want the turnover. That's so much more important than just getting the tackle, uh, letting you get a gain and getting a tackle. Let's punch the ball out from these guys. If this vaulted offense is going to drive up and down the field between the 20s, they struggle in the red zone. Hey, we have an opportunity every time they catch the ball to get separate that, that, that individual from the ball, create a turnover, and continue to put some doubt in that offense's mind about, you know, uh, how the game is going to go, how the flow of the game is going to go. If you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and really the last couple of years, the games that they've lost, you know, you yes. think about the Indianapolis game last year, turnovers, you yep. know, this week, turnovers. So I agree with that theory that, hey, listen, they can move the ball down the field and, uh, you know, let's try to create some turnovers. That's the way you beat the Chiefs is by getting them turned over. Uh, and, you know, the Chiefs have been pretty good at that overall over the last yes. couple of years. But 
when they lose, they do it in grand fa- uh, fashion. <laughs> you know, five turnovers is negative is, four. Yeah, Scotty. Yeah, negative you can get away a one. Yeah. If you get over two, three, four, and five, then you can have some major issues. All right. Wait, well, hey, man. Let's take a, a moment. Let's 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 do a little revisionist history. Let's talk about. The offensive line that you were a part of when you was here with the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the greatest offensive lines in Chiefs history, 1995. Uh, some of your teammates helped me out with it. Yeah, so we were 13 to three that year, and we had John Alt at the left tackle. John Alt was an All-Pro football player. Now his son is an All-American in Notre Dame, Joe Alt. All right. Uh, Dave Zott, uh, Will Shields, and I—we they called us the firm. Uh, we played, uh, gosh, so I think like 90 games next to each other uh, by the time it was all said and done. Uh, Will Shields came in. He was a younger guy. Dave and I were uh, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1990. He was from Penn State, and I was from Notre Dame. And then we brought Will Shields in and solidified the middle of that pocket. We had a little bit of a rotation at right tackle. Uh, everybody from Rich Baldinger, who oh, I'm sure yeah, to, uh, to uh, Ricky Sigler. Rick. And Ricky was on the 95 uh, offensive line. So I think that was probably our best offensive line. I think that year our, our, our coach was Alex Gibbs. And Alex yes. Best of all time. Greedy Grammy. And, I just stood uh, the trenches. We, uh, I think we were number two or three in the league in rushing, and I think we were either number one or number two in the least amount of sacks. And we had uh, Steve Bono, and mm-hmm. quarterback, who was not the most uh, agile guy in the world. <laughs> uh, the one play we had in Arizona, uh, which is a famous play, you got to go check it out if you ever have an opportunity. We ran a boot. Uh, it was a boot keep. Okay. And mm-hmm. Joe Valerio was going to be the outlet. Remember Big Joe? Yeah. Uh, he was going to be the outlet, and everybody was supposed to close down. Joe was supposed to fall down at the point of attack, and they get up and like creep out into the flat. And Bono ran, and here's here's uh, Joe Valerio telling him, "Come on, let's go, let's go." He's running backwards, he's that much faster than than Steve Bono was. But Steve ran for like 30, 75, 80 yards for a touchdown. But that was probably our best offensive line. Um, but you know, we we had some uh, uh, rotation. Uh, later on, where uh, you know John all retired, and a guy named Glenn Parker came in. Glenn Parker was a hell of a football player, and he he did a good job. Uh, and then we had a guy that probably was our the bridge between uh, you uh, that offensive line and our offensive line and your offensive line. John Tate was drafted as a rookie in 1999 and came in, and he was part of that offensive line that you liked. And then uh, also Brian Waters. Who came in and uh, real quick story on Brian uh, Gunther uh, called me in the office and one of my best friends of all time and I, you probably know him, Jeff Smith. Jeff yes. Smith played uh, for the Chiefs and also played for Jacksonville. Was at Tennessee. Him and I were like best friends. You know, you have that one really good friend on the team. And he called me in and he said, "Hey, we have to make a decision between Brian Waters and Jeff Smith." And I said, "There's no doubt." <laughs> And that was your buddy. It was my buddy. Oh, so, no. so I got. I so I. I had to. I said. I. I you know. I said. I said. Gunther. This. That's not a fair question to ask because I. Mean, this is one of my best friends. But I knew that Brian Waters was. And I'm not. This. I'm not taking credit for Brian Waters being what he, he turned out to be a Ring of Fame guy, a Hall of Famer, uh, uh, maybe in the making. Uh, but uh, hell, football player was also part of that line that you guys had. Yeah. Well, we talk about the 2003 line. Obviously, uh, also part of a 13 yeah, we'll season. Yeah. Thirteen and three season. So the the, right. the, the players in Cowboys, we had the you know Will Shields as part of that group, Willie Rofe, Casey Wigman. Like you said, kind of like yourself, right? Always kind of felt like he was undersized from the University of Iowa, um, but he was a tech. He had a lot prettier hair than I did. Again, we talking about gritty. We talking about in the <laughs> trenches, and you want to talk about somebody's hairstyle? Yeah, but you know, he was like one of the first centers that I saw in that long, locky, blonde hair <laughs> hanging out of his helmet. 
I was like, man, that guy, that that's cool. I would look at my hair. Look at that. It's barely, it's gray now, and it's barely keeping it on my head. Uh, so I was, you know, I was never envious of really any other center play for the Chiefs other than Casey Wigman's hair. Oh, Lord. I'll make sure to tell him that when that's the yeah, case, yeah. obviously. Uh, but so that 03 line versus the 1995, I, listen, we got anybody who's following the show, follow, man, send us some DMs and tweets. Let us know between those two lines, who do you think was the all-time best line for the Kansas City Chiefs? Obviously, my heart is with the 03 team because I was a part of that team. Tim was a part of the 1995 group. But both teams were tenacious. They were that The things they had in common is familiar that's why they're both really, really great offensive lines because they took credit for nothing. Well, I think I think part of it. You guys were thirteen to three that year. Yeah, too, we was thirteen and thirteen to three was never a good number for the Chiefs. Oh, we we seemed to lose in the playoffs every yeah. time we were thirteen to three. And I was at that game when you guys who who'd you lose to? Titans or something? Just, let me bring up old stuff, bro. Like let's we talking about we talking because you were brought up all these old. No, I'm lines. talking about the lines. I'm trying to say some positive stuff about the lines. You talking about? How we could hey, we couldn't make the punt the, the Colts punt. That's what you want to fit. Hey, I could I couldn't get Peyton Manning in the Colts, in the Colts to punt. That's what he wants me to say. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, uh, you know what, Trent Green, awesome guy, unbelievable quarterback. Uh, we had uh, at that point we had Steve Bono, but we also had Joe Montana a little bit earlier. Uh, we had Rich Gannon. We didn't have Patrick. Okay. Neither one of us had. We are important. We're not that important. Ah, Pat, that quarterback is so important. And guess what? When you have the best quarterback in the league, you're going to Super Bowls. And you're not only going, you're winning some, right? Absolutely. Two Super Bowl wins over five seasons. I just wanted to go. I, I know you just wanted to mention the fact you, that you no punt game. You played in the Super Bowl, didn't you? No, I didn't play in the Super Bowl. Stop bringing up bad memory. I mean, I'm trying to I play positive. Were, I thought maybe you were feeling I appreciate that. I appreciate you feeling that way, but I haven't, okay? So I'm going to talk to my story. Yeah, so that's another thing we have in common. I'm going to talk to my therapist after the show about all my unfulfilled dreams and admirations. What's his name? Tucker? Is your Nip Tuck. Hey, producer extraordinaire, Tucker Franklin. Tucker, watch him. Watch Tucker, him for 21 he's questions. He's good enough. He's smart enough. I am, people like him. I do matter. I am successful. I'm a, I'm a dreamer. All of those things matter to us. But listen, with those two offensive lines, the things that were so important, let's get back to it. The things that were so important was they controlled the line of scrimmage. They understood the battle for the trenches was something that led towards victories, and it was a it was it was a, it was like a badge of honor. Uh, no one messed with your quarterback. Nobody. There was games I saw Priest Holmes go untouched until he was two or three yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Yeah, we had Marcus Allen at that time running the football for us, and uh, and it was at the end of his career. But man, oh man, what a pro he was! One of the things we'd always do, especially we had Joe Montana, but we'd all do with all our quarterbacks, is on Monday morning when they came in. I would say, hey, Joe, can you play golf today? And if he said, nope, too sore, I'd stick. Gosh, we didn't do our job. Ooh, nice. So, yeah. but if Joe could go and play golf on Monday, I'd say, hey, did you play golf yesterday or Monday? He said, yeah, yeah, well, I'll play some golf Sunday. I said, gosh, we did our job or our Monday because that made that he wasn't too sore to go out and play golf. So that, that was a little like uh, litmus test for for our quarterbacks back in the day. That's tremendous. That, 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 right, that nugget right there, every offensive line, if you're an offensive lineman, <laughs> Ask the quarterback how was his weekend? Did yeah. he able was he able to go yeah, uh, play golf on Monday? Play some golf, did he you know, bowl, shoot some pool. If he if he felt like he had a good weekend after the game was over, that means you did your job on the offense. If he can go to the pumpkin patch with his kids, if, like yes. Patrick Mahomes, then guess what? You did your you job. Did your job. All right, I love that, man. Um man, we got a few more minutes. Let's get into uh, uh, and listen, Bishop Bishop me, I had a son that graduated and actually played under you. 
at Bishop Meade's, Nico Barber. And shout then, out to you Nico. say the next one, uh, Blue Valley North. I guess what a great job we did. Noah Barber sent him to Blue Valley North. He's actually with the Royals. Now he's playing so baseball. He decided to play baseball. Yeah. My, 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 I have two younger boys, not not to leave out Xander, but Deacon is a ninth grader at Blue Valley. Yeah. He's there with Coach Aaron Terrell. And then my youngest son, who was about to turn 11 in December, Cade Barber. He's the one. We already have a, a special uh, uh, activities bus going to pick him up. For, okay. For, All right. So he, he has a spot already at the age waiting. Yeah. Let's talk about me age. Uh, oh, sure. They're going into the playoffs, high school. We're in the playoffs. We, we won our first game against St. James. It was a tough game. We were down 14 nothing at half, uh, which, you know, listen, they came out and punched us in the mouth. I give them a lot of credit. But uh, Coach Holmes does such a great job of having these guys believe that they can always come back and there's always a chance. And uh, we came back and won the football game. Uh, I think it was uh, 21-17. So won that football game. We got uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. For some reason, uh, you know, the state decided, hey, let's put all those Catholic schools together so they sound each other. <laughs> so, that, you know, so uh, we don't have two of them playing uh, in, a, in the sectional championship. We go to state championship. But now, nah, whatever. So, um, you know, uh, it's great coaching. I enjoy it. Uh, one of our kids, uh, Jeremy uh, Schleicher, just got an uh, offer from uh, Western Michigan yes, sir. last night, which was a great offer for him. And uh, we uh, uh, have another kid who's got in Arkansas State. So we're just starting to get other D1 guys, uh, you know, maybe not the Power Five, all the, uh, but D1. So uh, really a nice uh, 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 feather in the cap for Bishop Miege and for, for my offensive line. Uh, but uh, we got a young quarterback who's you know still learning, yeah. uh, and uh, but uh, has done a great job this year too. It's just a lot of fun work with those kids, and, but it's a lot of work. In fact, right when I'm done with here, I got to go draw some cards for the for the run game. Yes, uh, for you know the the uh, you know, inside run. You I don't have draw. a quality control coach. No, I do not have a quality control coach. So I'll be drawing those cards, and then uh, we'll be at practice. And but it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, it, I love the competition. And you know, I tell people all the time, and and I don't know what your feeling is, but um, you know, if 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 uh, a genie came out of a bottle mm-hmm. and said to you, said, "Hey, uh, you can play one more football game. It's either on a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday. Friday night with your buddies from high school. Saturday, at, you know, in front of one hundred six thousand people at Michigan, mm-hmm. or, or or Sunday, you're running out at Arrowhead." I had to still say Friday night. Friday night lights, baby. Ain't nothing you know, like it. Because, you know, you're playing with the guys and they really love the game. You love each other. And you're playing for the right reason. I'm not saying the college guys don't. But no scholarship. No, no contracts. No. no. You live in a certain neighborhood. Those are your buddies. Yep. I go out there and practice. And you go play under the lights in front of all your neighbors and all your family, all your friends. Maybe you get a kiss of a cheerleader. That <laughs> Come on. Not a bad thing. Just a kiss. Again, again, a great thing. Uh, so, so good luck to Miege yeah. in the playoffs. Um, uh, beyond that, man, uh, the work you're doing with big brothers and big sisters. Uh, um, thank you. You and your wife for a number of years have, um, I think, had a, a big yeah. uh, Zion. Zion, yeah. Zion. So, uh, yeah, you know what? We, we get a lot out of that uh, experience. Uh, it's a great organization. I know you've done some things with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Michael Lawrence, obviously, yeah. shout out to Michael Lawrence. You ever have an opportunity to be a big, uh, you know, or or support Big Brothers, Big Sisters, go ahead and do it because there's a lot of kids out there that are just looking for a mentor, looking for somebody to love them, give give them a, a pat on the back, and you know, you know, just you know, bring them over to the house and watch TV. A lot of times, you know, you want to do all these grand things, but really, the reality is, they just want to be around a family. They want to go and run around the backyard with the dog, and they just want to do those fun things too. So. It's been great for my wife and I. Uh, we uh, uh, because we go to Florida now. So we, it, we've kind of stepped back a little bit uh, uh, because of just kind of being that retired guy, you know. 
but uh, it's been a great experience for us. Man, appreciate that. So obviously from all the work you do with the Ambassador Group, um, you, you created a legacy for many leaders to follow as far as the, uh, the relationship with certain businesses, the communication, the partnerships with big brothers, big sisters, Cam Quality, KU Healthcare Systems. Um, you've done your, I mean, you've done a, a mountain of work, obviously, like you say, wrote your own book, A View, um, A View from the Center. Um, obviously, uh, with Tim Grunhart. And then, obviously, just being a, a, a pillar in the community, continuously represent the Chiefs and our alumni group, um, being a ring of honor guy, being a Hall of um, Chiefs Hall of Fame. Um, in, in so many ways, man, you, you wear the jacket, you wear the, the helmet, you wear the rings, um, you, 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 you wear the emblems um, of an ex-Chiefs guy, and you do it remarkably, you do it with a lot of poise. Um, so I can't thank you enough for the, the, the legacy you are leaving me and the uh, type of success you're seeing as a father with raising your kids up the right way, um, creating some, some avenues for them to communicate and trust you and be open and honest with you, um, be open and honest with themselves about being enough um, when it comes to mental health and everything and then with your faith. So. I, tell, I tell people all the time, you know, anybody can be a father, but can you be a dad? It's really important to be a dad, and that's the most important thing in my life is to raise my kids, my two daughters and my two sons, and now they're out and about doing their thing, and uh, every once in a while they'll call up and say, you know what, Dad, you kind of knew what you were talking about. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. There's a few times a little bit, so, uh, man, with that, we're going to wrap it up, man. Obviously, the Chiefs are getting ready to uh, board a plane at some point later on this week, go off to London, Germany. Germany. Go off to Munich, Germany, or somewhere, Gunting, Bing, so you translate that and let me know what that what I just said in German. <laughs> um, but again, das ist gut, yeah. Tim Grunhardt. And if you look up his website, www.timgrunhardt.com. And if you can't pronounce his last name, just think about it. It's Tim G. Runhart. That's so I right. believe when he was a young man, his one of his young coaches, his high school coach was saying, Tim G. Runhart. Runhart. And that's how you spell it. Tim G. Grunhart. Runhart. Tim yeah. Grunhart is yeah. Tim G. Runhart. I made that up all myself, so I'm gonna go ahead and um, coin I, I'll get, I'll coin it, I'll stereotype it, I'll uh, <laughs> copyright it, copyright it. I'll make you pay me twenty bucks to use it. Anyway, this is the process with Sean Barber, former linebacker of the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, this is the process again. Shout out to the McGinnis Group for being our title sponsor. Um, we can help you with all your business health benefits needs and all your four hundred one k products. Man, again, Tim Grunhart, KCSM, my man Tucker Franklin, BJ Kissel, man, we out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.